0: Up your mind would you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Christmas is come. Christmas has come. No more waiting. No more darkness. We light the Christ candle because the light banishes the dark. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on this. Christmas morning. We're glad that you are here today. It's great to share this time of fellowship and worship with you. Joy to the world. The Lord has come and we are here to celebrate that. I hope that you've had a, a, a beautiful Christmas celebration so far and uh, thank you for continuing your your, Chris, your Christmas celebration in worship this morning. Uh, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, take a uh, a moment to uh, sign those and uh, uh, share your attendance with us today. I know it won't take very long this morning, uh, <laughs> but we're glad that you are here. Uh, just a few announcements to uh, bring to your attention. Uh, I hope you received a, a nominating team uh, survey. If you haven't, there are some at the table before you leave. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take that survey and to fill it out and get it back to us as soon as possible. Our nominating team is working to uh, uh, to put people into different positions. And if you would do that, it would help us a lot. Uh, there will be no activities this week on Wednesday, um, uh, so don't come expecting uh, dinner or Bible study or anything. We won't be here. Uh, it'll be kind of an easy week for us, uh, for all of us, this week. As a matter of fact. Uh, the, the office will be open cert- certain days, but not every day this week, so uh, you're kind of hit and miss on that. Uh, and also, let me say thank you. Thank you on behalf of your staff here at Community Baptist Church for your generous gifts to us. Uh, you are a blessing beyond compare, and I am grateful for each and every one of us, so thank you so very much. Now let us stand if you're able, and let's uh, spend just a moment uh, sharing the Christmas joy with one another.
0: Now we enjoy, in, invite you to sing along with us this morning on a Christmas praise, and I hope all the correct words will be up there for you, but it's a medley of about five Christmas hymns, and even if it's not the exact words, I bet you know them anyway because it's the first verse of all of them, but Christmas praise, sing along with us if you would.
1: Thank you.
2: <laughs> Merry Christmas. How are you all? Did you get everything you wanted? I did too. Come on down. I'm not going to bite you. Oh, come on. If I can get down here, you can too. You know, there's a lot of symbols in Christmas. I don't know. Were you all here for Christmas service? No? 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 There's a whole bunch of symbols on that tree. Okay? And it all reminds us of Jesus. And it's really funny because I always kind of considered Jesus and God and Santa Claus all kind of like the same people. I know that's kind of really weird, but it's okay. Because I really believe that Jesus and God... And Santa Claus lives throughout every one of us. And we can see it by what they do and how they live. Um, When I was your all's age, not your age, but your age, I was really, really confused because we celebrate Jesus' birthday, but nobody ever sings Happy Birthday. So, Let's do that now. So. Happy birthday to you.
0: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus.
3: Happy birthday
0: to you. Doesn't that make you feel great?
2: So happy. In this time of tinsel, wreaths, and holly, and berries, and red, and green, let's keep something in mind, okay? Close your eyes. Come on, you can close them. I'm not going to hit you. All right? In this darkness we find light and we look to the light Jesus Christ is the light of the world open your eyes remember this light and every time you see the light remember Jesus bow your heads and pray with me oh heavenly father thank you for your only begotten son he was sent here for our sins, lest we forget when times of need and times of trouble we can rely on your Son and we can rely on you, our God the Father. We say this in Jesus' name, Amen. Don't blow your light out, though. <laughs>
3: Let us pray. Holy God, we celebrate the birth of your beloved Son by decorating our homes and giving each other gifts. Many of us give extra gifts so that those who have none may know the joy of being cared for and loved. And then tomorrow comes, or later in the week, and the new year hits, the decorations come down. The gifts are put away, and we go back to our routines. And like our New Year's resolutions, the peace and joy of welcoming the Christ child fades into the background. Holy God, forgive us. Prod us with memories of today. Provoke us with the joy of knowing peace on earth even if it is for just a moment when we hold our tongues or share our resources or take a second look at the one who pushes our judgment button. Protect us from ourselves. Holy God, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Amen. Amen.
1: She gets it from me. (laughs) It was in the middle of the busy Christmas shopping season, and a man was in court charged with parking in a restricted area. So the judge asked if he had anything to say in his defense, and the man said they shouldn't put up such a misleading notice. There was a sign that said, fine for parking here. Well, I can understand that that might be a a little bit confusing, and misunderstandings do do take place. Uh, For example, there's a lot about the Christian faith that people don't understand. And and there's a lot about Christmas that people don't understand. For many people today, Christmas is simply another reason for a party. Uh, It's an opportunity to decorate their homes and put up pretty lights and mistletoe and buy expensive gifts. And they think they're celebrating Christmas. And yet they are blissfully ignorant of the greatest gift of all. And that is the gift that came to us at Christmas. Luke describes that gift like this. And if you don't mind, out of respect for this beautiful story, let me ask you to stand if you're able to as we hear the word of God. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. This is the Word of God. Please be seated. Now, what is Luke saying to us in this beautiful story? Well, first of all, I think Luke is saying to us that God took upon himself, uh, that God took upon God's self human flesh. And I know that that is a truth that is way too much for our human minds to grasp. And yet somehow we know that it is true, that God took upon God's self human flesh. The God of the sun and the moon and the stars and and all of creation gave all of that up and became a tiny little baby lying in a manger. The inaccessible God of all that lives and moves and, and has its being emptied himself and became one of us. Walter Trobisch tells about an African chief that he once ministered to. The chief was named Ray Buba, and Chief Buba was a, an impressive man, standing about six feet six inches tall. But interestingly enough, this noble chieftain rarely left his palace. Most of his subjects had never even seen him before. And it was difficult to get past all of the guards and to have an audience with, with Chief Buba. And those who did get in could only approach him with their, their heads bowed and their eyes on the ground. Tobish says that, that when he was able to go in and to visit Chief Buba, he had to cross a, an open courtyard covered with white gravel. And the combination of that bright white gravel and the bright sunlight that was shining down temporarily blinded him almost. And so when he went into the semi-darkness of the chief's throne room, all Trobish saw was a, a, a man totally covered in white from head to toe. And the only thing he could see of Chief Buba was the slit for his eyes. And so for all practical purposes, the chief was inaccessible to his subjects. And I hope you understand that if we were to try to find God through our own mental abilities, we would discover that God is even more inaccessible than Chief Buba. And that's because our minds and our sophisticated instruments are limited by time and space. And it's impossible for our minds to wrap around the greatness of God. The one whom we seek, our Creator and our Father, is beyond time and space and beyond any other limitations of this world. So you see, neither science nor philosophy or theology or anything are adequate enough to delve into the secrets of one so great as our God. But fortunately, since we could not reach up to God, God reached down to us. God clothed God's self in human flesh. And that's the first thing that we need to understand about Christmas. Here's the second. God took upon God's self our limitations. In other words, God became just like you and me. Back in the Middle Ages, artists would often paint halos around the heads of the infant Jesus and his his mother Mary, that circle of light surrounding their heads. That, that was the artist's way of portraying reverence. But I hope you realize that that was just an artistic tool. That light was not really there. Around, uh, the light was not there around their heads back in the stable of Bethlehem. It wasn't there. You see, Jesus was, was a real baby. Born into a real world, there was no light around his head. I and and I love that Christmas carol, "Away in a Manger," but there's one line in that song that's just wrong. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Get real, folks. That didn't happen. Jesus was undoubtedly a baby who cried for a two o'clock feeding just like any other baby does. Jesus was a baby whose diaper needed to be changed. He had to learn how to walk and talk and how to share his playthings. The evidence indicates that, that no one in his village noticed anything particularly unusual about Jesus as a boy, except that he was a good boy. Not good enough to have a light around his head, but a good boy do you remember the surprise of both the villagers and Jesus's own family when he began his ministry at the age of 30 why would they be surprised if his divinity was so obvious as a child and it was made abundantly clear in the last verse of this chapter that that Christ totally emptied himself of of any of his divine power and knowledge when it said that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with mankind. If he possessed all of God's wisdom, then how could he possibly grow in wisdom? So you see, Jesus was a real boy who experienced real growing pains and, and struggles just like you and I have in our lives. Many of you will probably probably remember Willard Scott, that lovable weatherman on the Today Show for so many years. Sometime back, Scott wrote a book titled, titled The Joy of Living. It's an entertaining book, and a, and a very appealing part of that book is his description of growing up in his family's Baptist church. He tells about about one occasion when when he was 12 years old, and he took communion, and he had an embarrassing thing happen to him while he was taking communion there. Here's how he describes it. He says, in the Baptist church, they serve grape juice rather than wine in tiny little little individual-sized plastic cups. You know what I'm talking about there. And on this particular occasion, I was trying to get that last bit of juice out of the bottom of the cup with my tongue when all of a sudden the suction grabbed a hold and my tongue got stuck in the cup. He said, I desperately tried to pull that doggone cup off, but, but after the first couple of tries, it wouldn't budge. And then before I could take and make another attempt, the pastor asked everybody to hold hands with the person next to them and sing, Blessed be the tie that binds. But I was the one in the bind. Here was this cup on my tongue, and the people next to me had grabbed my hands. But just when it seemed like I was about to be discovered, I had what I could only regard as a divine inspiration. I sucked the whole cup into my mouth, and I held it there until the hymn was over. And then while no one was looking, I reached in and pulled it off. Can't you just see that happening? You probably see that happening in some of your own children, don't you? And maybe it happened to you. That is such a typical thing for a 12-year-old boy, isn't it? It's so typical. And you know what? I could imagine that something like that could have just as easily happened to Jesus as a boy. And that's a part of the joy and the wonder of God's incarnation. Because you see, the eternal God emptied God's self and became a real person. And I'm sure that for Jesus, there were those childhood years that were just as painful and confusing as, as any adolescent growing up. And yes, Jesus was a teenager. He was. And there were probably some arguments over who was going to, to use the, the family donkey. And, uh, and even more likely, Jesus probably became the head of the household sometime during those teenage years. Joseph is never mentioned again after the story of Jesus staying behind in the temple when Jesus was 12 years old. And some scholars speculate that he may have died during those years. And if Joseph died during those years, then Jesus, as the oldest son with several younger brothers and sisters, would have been entrusted with a a tremendous responsibility, many responsibilities. And I'm sure it couldn't have been easy. In the carpenter shop, there were those everyday chores and frustrations that were a part of making a living for the family. And and there was was no angel there guarding Jesus' hands against splinters. There was no cloud of glory surrounding him when some irate customer complained about his workmanship or about not having a product on time. Jesus was just as vulnerable as anybody else else and he hurt just like we hurt even after his baptism jesus experienced an intense time of testing and temptation just like we do and the scripture is very explicit We see it many times through the Gospels that he wrestled with mental and physical exhaustion and he sought to escape from the crowds who were constantly gathered around him. And when he reached that pivotal time in his life when the cross loomed starkly before him, his misery was so great that his sweat came like great drops of blood falling to the ground. You see? Here is a real man. This is not to deny His his divinity. This is not to deny His majesty and power and glory. This is to affirm the teachings of the church fathers that Jesus was fully God, yet at the same time, He was fully human. And so God took upon
0: Himself human flesh. God took upon our limitations. God Back in
1: 1924, an English artist by the name of William Walcott came to New York City to record his impressions of the great metropolis. And one morning, In 1924, long before the inflated values that we have today, one of those sketches sold for $500 and the other one sold for $1,000. It seems that this ordinary wrapping paper in the hands of a great artist became a masterpiece. And in the same way, an ordinary manger, an ordinary stable, And some quite ordinary people live forever in our memories today because the Christ child was born in that stable. And in the hands of a master artist, our God, the ordinary has become an eternal masterpiece. So, what if the Christ child should make his entrance into our lives? Do you think a miracle could happen to us as well? Do you think a miracle could happen to us? Do you think we could become a new person with a new heart and a new spirit? Do you think that our lives could become a masterpiece in the hands of our God? Well, this is what Christmas is all about. And if you think about it, it's mind-boggling. God God took on human flesh. God took on our limitations and experienced what we experienced. And there was only one reason for all of that. And that is that we might be made acceptable to dwell with God forever. And that, my friends, is the greatest Christmas gift that you or I will ever receive. It is the gift that God offers to you today. So I want you accept this gift of God's Spirit this morning? God did all of this for you. Amen. Let's sing. Christmas is for singing. There's so much beautiful music and singing at Christmas time. So let's sing. This beautiful carol number 91, Silent Night, Holy Night. Let's sing all four verses. Now go forth from here, and may the Spirit of Christ go with you every moment. May peace on earth and goodwill towards all be your experience, and the experience of all Christ's followers. May Christmas love fill your heart, and may that love be be lived in your life all year long. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.